We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the summer break version of the Formula S show. It's me, AJ. Mike's got uh, a uh, new wave band forming in the background with all the past bands. Oh, oh, I, I see you saying that. I was like, I'm like, what, what do I have? I'm just confused. I have nothing. I have nothing. Um, hello, hello, everyone. I'm here. I, I am attending. I'm currently behind the wheel of a what's what's the name of a sports car? A a, a Maserati, I believe it's called. Uh, an electric Maserati. It definitely going. sounds like you're in the car. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm currently going 210 miles an hour. Thank you, thank you. Any further questions? No, but what we have to talk about are. Oh, why didn't I? I don't know why I did it, but first things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil, if, uh, if you know, you know, um, I had it here, uh, it's basically confirmed that Porsche is going to be in F1 this year, or soon, really, um, they registered a trademark, and I didn't save the headline, so I'm not going to be able to find it. Um, of finally, but it's F1 N A L L Y. So they trademarked that phrase. The only reason you do that is because you're going to use it. And it's a little telling, right, that, um, they're using it in that sense, in that spelling specifically. Really? Well, I mean, think about like, oh, Jesus, my German's not that good. Um, is there a way around this? Because like, you know, there's very few trademarks that don't end up getting used. Um, or... If they are used, um, yeah, I want to, oops, I want to, I want English. Damn it, the room. Alright, so, also, um, kind of the 
driving factor behind this Porsche news is the 2026 engine regulations were finalized. So, okay, so what does that mean, basically? Effectively, we now know what the engines will be from 2026 onward. Okay. So, teams can start uh, figuring that stuff out, which we'll get to because there's actually a lot of changes. Um, But... You know, the rumors have long been that um, Audi and Porsche were going to hop into F1. Um, these rumors have been around for a very long time. The Porsche trademark makes it feel like that's more of a reality. Porsche also owns 50% of uh, Red Bull powertrains. Um which they kind of snuck in. It was in an uh, investor thing. Um, so, yeah, basically, kind of the, the draw here is it's going to be way more efficient and way cleaner, basically. Um, so, Audi and Porsche are effectively just, you know, at the point of they're in without technically being in. Interesting. Um, and at least one other car company could approve a Formula One commitment in the fall. Interested parties are located in the U.S. and Korea. So, this doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be in for the 2026 year. Um, They have until June 30th, 2023, so next year, um, to enter for the 27 season. Do you think that's what they would do? Because, so 2026, like, it's not that long away if you think about having to build this. Um, kind of the way that this sounds is it would be more of an engine manufacturer situation. So this would kind of be going back to the early days of F1, right? Where, like, Ford was in F1 with Cosworth. Um, you know, and basically anyone under the sun had a F1 motor. Um, and supplied some team with it. So it kind of sounds like that. Uh, obviously, the rumor mill, if we're looking at the States, is Ford with Cosworth. Um, GM has no ties to F1, past or present. Um, and technically, Chrysler's part of. Stellantis, which is French-owned, I believe. Um, So, yeah, it would probably be Ford, if I had to guess, from the States. Um, Also, Haas run uh, Ford in NASCAR. 
so there could be the potential there. Um, as far as Korea, I would imagine it's just the Kia Hyundai Corporation, like whatever their parent company okay. is. Like I'd imagine it's just them, right? Like why else would you like if you say Korea? Korea is not that big. They only have one major conglomerate that makes cars, so. I would feel like if it was between Ford and, let's just call it Kia, because I forget what the name of their conglomerate is, I think it would be the Koreans. Um, solely for the fact that they kind of have the cash to do it, and the drive to do it. So... So, what I don't understand, right, is why, what is the hole that you think they're going to fill? Is it just that the current, like, the current engines aren't doing it for them, and they just want, like, because it's, it's one thing to, like, change food, there's a whole new distributor coming in of, of I would, so, I think the, the drive to get more manufacturers in is more on uh, FOM, Formula One Management. They want more people in because, in theory, it means more money. Mm -hmm. um, but, so I have a breakdown here of what the 2026 regulations are and what they are compared to um, currently. So, in 26, their horse, total horsepower output is going to be over 1,000 horsepower. Currently, they're right around that 1,000 mark. Um, the base internal combustion will remain the 1.6 V6. Um, you will lose the MGU-H, which is good because that... Seems to be a problem for a lot of uh, teams. Um, the MGUK, which is basically attached more or less to... It's kind of like a turbocharger, but it charges a battery. Um, it's going to be in a safety cell, and that stuff's going to be standardized. So, whether that's the battery that's standardized, whether that's... The mounting hardware, something for the MGUK is going to be standard. So it's one less thing to worry about. And the total MGUK power is going to be 350 kilowatts. That is up from the current 120 kilowatts, which is the K and H combined. So basically we're going from 160 horsepower to 470 horsepower. That is going to be electric. So basically reining in the combustion side of it and boosting the battery side of it. Um, we will be switching to 100% sustainable fuel, zero fossil fuel. So this is 
<laughs> I'm gonna eat it up, so I'm gonna double the amount of fuel eating, is what you're telling me? No. Um, <laughs> this sounds like it's going to be the same situation as what they're trying to do with airlines right now. New airlines, it's been a big push. Like, yeah. airlines haven't all been doing it, it's been the flight, but, like, it's yeah. been a big push. Yeah, so currently they use E10, which is, that's like 10% ethanol. Roughly what we have here in the States for our normal pump gas. Um, obviously the octane's a little bit higher. But the fuel flow will be going from 100 kilograms an hour down to 70, which will be a target of 70 kilograms an hour. Um, obviously it makes sense when you think about um, the power generated by the combustion engine is going to be significantly reduced. So you need less fuel, which just makes sense. Um, engine dyno hours. This is basically how much time you can run your motor and test it. Right. And gather data from it. Mm-hmm. Currently, they are limited to nine test benches, basically nine sessions. Um, for 300 operational hours this year, and then 1,800 operational hours between 23 and 24. Um, the test bench hours will be going from uh, 200 this year and 11.30 for 23 to 25. So the dyno hours for the, uh, starting in 26 will go up to 700, obviously because it's going to be a new motor. But then it'll be going down to 400 from 27 to 2030. So basically, F1 is trying to push for a kind of build it now and then refine it, not a iterate on it every year situation. Um, the test bench hours will be going to 500 for 26. And 400 from 27 to 2030. Basically, the ICE test bench is just the combustion engine. So the engine dyno can use everything. You know, they they effectively build the whole motor. So not just the internal combustion engine, but the MGUs as well. They'll put all that stuff together and run it on an engine dyno. Well, then you can also just run the internal combustion engine. So those are the two testing things. Um, Engine usage limit will be going from three currently to four for the first year, and then three every other year. Currently, the power breakdown is about a 75-25 split between the combustion engine and the battery so you're looking at about 850 horsepower generated through combustion and about 160 which is capped um it's capped at 160 in 26 it'll be roughly a 50-50 split we'll be looking at 530 horsepower from combustion and 470 from 
the hybrid system and the energy recovery system will be going from uh, MGUK and H to strictly MGUK. Um, and the cost will go up a little bit, so currently the cap for a power unit is about $95 million. That's all in, right? So that's everything. Um, it'll go up to 135 that's not to say the motor in the back of a Ferrari currently costs $95 million. Right? It's just that's how much has gone into the development of that motor. So. So that so. one's interesting to me that they would jump because in my head, and, and apparently I'm wrong, is I just assumed those numbers naturally went up every year. Just kind of like a natural, like, oh, we, like... It's it's now inflation or increased cost of goods. Like I just kind of assumed that would happen. I didn't realize it was kind of like this set thing like that. Yeah, no, it's um, well, and especially with the budget cap, right? Like that's a huge factor in this too. Um, because you got to remember, right? Like if uh, oh son of a bitch, why can't I? Whatever. Uh. So um, if you can't, uh, if you don't cap the engine when you have a budget cap, well, what are you really capping, right? Mm-hmm. So, we shall see what comes out of this. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear, um, about the rumored either Korean or American entry before the end of the year is what I would assume. The other thing that I would assume is that the ticket prices for the Las Vegas race are going to be insane. It was announced recently that MGM is planning to buy between 20 and $25 million worth of tickets. Whoa. So that I can, well, so that I can create hotel and event packages. Hey, like, I assume that was why. That makes sense. Yeah, like, you know... The thing people don't realize is if you go to an event where there's, like, a hotel and ticket combo... The hotel bought those tickets. Right? It's very rare that that hotel is given those tickets. Um, it's They usually buy them at a significant discount. Because they're buying so many of them. Um, but... And this is all coming from the CEO of MGM, Bill Hornbuckle. He also said that rooms may cost three times their usual rate, which makes sense, and packages could retail for up to $100,000. That is wild. The only thing I can think is that that hundred grand package is like the top of the, you know, the top suite at the MGM Grand and the Paddock Club Passes. For all three days. 
you know, I don't see how else you can do that. You know, like there's, there's just to me no physical way that you can do that. But, but yeah, hundred gone. Also, the the was it seven times you said room rates? Like three times. Already, three times. But like Vegas already decently expensive. Like, that's kind of the thing I've always joked about, because, like, Vegas is the thing, like, oh, rooms are cheap, so you could gamble a lot. Rooms are not cheap in Vegas. I don't know whoever said that's wrong, but, <laughs> like, when you go to any of the, like, named resorts, like the big ones, rooms are not cheap there. I think a lot of people say Vegas is cheap. It's not necessarily that hotels are cheap. Basically, everything else is. Because you're spending so much money everywhere else that you're like, oh yeah, it's only 10 bucks or it's only 15 bucks or whatever. You're getting so, it like every five minutes you're spending 10 bucks. That's the yeah. difference. Yeah. That's the biggest problem is it's no one sits and actually thinks about how much it costs. It's they're just like, well, it wasn't that much. Also, apparently Tony Storm is trending on Twitter right now. Um, something that is trending in a good direction. The FIA officially announced they are changing the roll hoop design in response to the collapse of Alfa Romeo Sauber's roll hoop in the Guan Yu Zhou crash at Silverstone. So, basically what this means is uh, they will be uh, rounded instead of I believe it's the Ferrari teams, so Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Ferrari, have more of a triangular roll hoop, um, whereas some of the others are a little more oval, some of them are more of a circle, um, so, and that will go into place for next year, um, they are going to introduce a new load test uh, for roll hoops in a forward direction instead of just, I assume it was just like a top-down direction. Um, so, another push towards uh, making F1 a safer place. So, And in semi-related news, uh, Susie Wolf, who is the wife of Mercedes team boss Toto Wolf, has departed Venturi Formula E as their CEO. She was previously the team principal of uh, Venturi. Venturi, however you want to say it. Um before she took over the role of CEO. Uh, Venturi is transitioning into Maserati next year. Um, so it's going to be a branded team. But, yeah, that is uh, pretty crazy. Um, speaking of crazy, Valtteri Bottas has a... Uh, released a bucket hat because of course he has because of course he has 
Um, another couple quick things. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen will be racing in NASCAR. Depending on when this goes up, he's already done it. This will be interesting because there will be seven different countries represented in this race. It's starting to look like an F1 grid. Obviously, Kimi's finished. Daniel Suarez, who is a mainstay in NASCAR, is Mexican. Loris Heisemans is Dutch. Mike Rockenfeller is German. Daniel Kvyat, another former F1 driver, is Russian. Kyle Tilly is from the UK. And then everyone else on the grid is from the great United States of America. And they will be at Watkins Glen in the Finger Lakes region of the state of New York. I'm sorry, the Finger Lakes region? Yeah, Finger Lakes. Uh, what? Yeah. Beautiful area. Beautiful area. Also, speaking of uh, countries, if you watch this live, you get to see this chart. If not, we get to talk it over. Uh, Somebody made a chart of F1 races by countries and color-coded it based on how many there were per year and all that. I want you to take a guess. This is as of 2022. I want you to take a guess what country is in first place in terms of most races hosted all time. So my my instinct went to something like I want to take Spain um, or um, I think that that would be where my guess currently is Spain or like, cause I had it like it has to be someone like centrally like Europe kind of ish or southern Europe region okay so you think Spain I'm going with Spain Spain has hosted 59 races I would take that as that is not the most races. That is That is eighth place. God damn. That um, is um, uh, directly above Canada and directly below France. Okay, okay. Hmm. With a resounding hundred and four races host <laughs> and hosted in Formula One. Okay, okay. The country that I don't know how it continues to hold money, Italy. I, so, fuck it, Italy was my second, was going to be my second. Actually, so I thought Italy first, and then I changed it to Spain. I was like, it can't be Italy. I was like, there's no way. Italy has hosted a race since the beginning. And there was a long stretch where it was hosting two, and then it's hosted three. In a year. Um, Second place is Germany with 79. Hmm. Now you may be thinking, how is that so? Uh, Germany used to have two races. Uh, They would have Hockenheim, and then they would have Nürburgring. Um, And in years where they both weren't on the schedule... Uh, it was usually one of them, and they would rotate which one it was. They haven't had a race for the past couple of years uh, due to financial issues in the country. 
um, which means third place will probably overtake it, which is the UK at 77. And kind of the surprise for most people, I would assume, is that the United States of America has hosted 73 Formula One races. Duh. Putting it in fourth. Directly above Monaco at 68. Belgium's at 67. So, and the fact that it's going to host three next year takes it to 76. The UK will only have one. It'll have Silverstone, so that'll go to 78. And the U.S. will go to 76. So you have Germany at 79, the U.K. at 78, U.S. at 76. And Italy, in theory, would still hold on to its two, so it would go up to 106. Um, so you're not going to... The only gap that's closing there is the U.K. over... Uh, or the U.K. to Italy, not... Uh, you know, that's the only gap that could close, basically, because Germany, I don't think, will be hosting one for a while. Um, got a lot of countries in the teens and 20s. South Africa has hosted 23 races. Bahrain, surprisingly, has hosted 19. Malaysia has 19. China is at 16 already. Hmm. The UAE is at 14. Like these will. What's that? And then these will go up probably too. Like. Uh yeah, you have to assume China's going to come back on the schedule. Um, Singapore is at thirteen. Turkey is at nine. Russia is at eight. Azerbaijan is at six. Sweden has hosted six. Switzerland has hosted five. Korea hosted four. India 3, Saudi Arabia 2, Morocco and Qatar have both hosted 1. I think the one that would surprise a lot of people is how high South Africa is on the list. Mm -hmm. Considering I believe its last race was, let's see, 93. So its last race was before a lot of us were born. So, um, but like Argentina is at 20, um, Brazil surprisingly is only at 49, which is odd when you consider like Brazil was a state, is a staple on the F1 calendar. Um, and it had hosted a race every year until 2020. And then it had off in 2020, and then it came back for 21-22, so. Mm-hmm. Austria is at 37. It's tied with Hungary, which is hilarious. When you think about the uh, political history of Austria-Hungary. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of been a... slow off season. Like obviously we had the whole contract dispute between 
Alpine and McLaren and which is all kicked off by Vettel retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to hold off talking about that contract stuff until it's finalized because it's so fluid that we could talk about it now and between when we talk about it and when it gets posted it could change so we're just going to leave that alone um, but other than that here's a list of the most podium finishes in Formula 1 um, it appears to be a top 10 so it's not all of them. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, obviously in first with 188 podiums. Michael Schumacher was at 155. Oh, camera just turned off. I have to give credit to Michael Schumacher because he raced in a time where there was between 15 and 19 to 20 races a year. That mo- Like 20 was the most, I think, that he ever raced. Lewis Hamilton has almost exclusively raced in a time where the calendar has been no smaller than, I believe, 18 races. So, he's had way more opportunity. And to prove that, Sebastian Vettel has 122 podiums. Sheesh. Sheesh. So, between... Hamilton and Vettel, there's 310 podiums. Obviously, there were a bunch of times where they both finished on the podium, so those numbers get a little inflated. Um, Verstappen's already at 70. Verstappen's currently 10 podium finishes behind Ayrton Senna. To show you kind of how those numbers have been inflated. Um, Alan Prost has 106 podium finishes. I don't think his calendar was ever bigger than 15 races. So the fact that he he had 51 wins in his time racing, which is absolutely insane, considering he raced against Senna for several years. It's just, it's nuts how inflating the schedule can make those numbers just skyrocket. Um, But yeah. Okay, here's something something fun, because somebody posted this. The Grand Prix closest to your birthday. Okay, okay. So, let me pull up the Wikipedia page for Formula One. There we go. And then, season results. Still have it. See also... F1 games. No, I want the. Oh, do I have to go to its sub article? We'll just do. We'll go to the F1 website. It's just easier. Um. Yeah, sure. I'll manage my settings. 
Uh, reject all. Where's the reject all? Reject all. Oh, it's the damn Gotta European love cookies. Uh, you don't just accept all cookies for trying to spy on your thing? No. So, Mikael, you were born in the year 1996, right? Yep, it's November 3rd, 1996. Okay, so 96, the closest one for you, would have been the Japanese Grand Prix, which was the season finale that year, which was won by, I believe, the, yeah, the eventual champion, Damon Hill. Um, so, now you can go watch that and see what that was like. For me... It was the Australian Grand Prix, won by the exact same person, Damon Hill, hmm. who would go on to finish second that year in the uh, championship behind Mikhail Schumacher. Um, <laughs> you know how we complain about like nobody winning? Like, there's there's a select few drivers who win now. Mm-hmm. Here's the 95 race winners. Michael Schumacher, Damon Hill, Jean Lacy, Johnny Herbert, David Coulthard. So I think there were five winners. Right? Schumacher, Hill, Lacy, Herbert. Yeah, there were five guys that won in 1995. And there were one, two, three, four, five, six. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. 17 races. Only five guys won. If we go to last year, 21, there were like 22 races, I think. We had Hmm. Hamilton, Verstappen, Perez, Ocon, Ricardo, Botas. So we had six. We had six winners last year, compared to the five in 95. So, guess what, people? Shit don't change. Shit don't change. So, yeah. Fun little summer break episode of Formula S. Nice. And, uh, And we'll be back with races, what, in two, three weeks? Yes, as we're recording this, it's not this weekend, but next. Perfect. See y'all then. See y'all then. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcasts by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by, sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow the SWW Show on social media at the SWW Show, or sooner or later, you go to patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.